0: Well, welcome in everybody to the latest edition of our little show as we break it all down with the March to March coming and the upcoming weirdest, wildest, craziest NCAA tournament that we believe will be happening and and that has ever really happened where it's all going to be played in one locale, in one state, and in one general area when we get to it. And we're now less than a month away from Selection Sunday. Welcome in. It is college basketball coast to coast. And however and wherever you found us, whether it is through Apple Podcasts, whether it is through the streaming channel Tag Sports Group on TuneIn, go find us on TuneIn on the channel Tag Sports Group. This show is streaming there 24-7. Every day of the week, college basketball coast to coast will be streaming there. new episodes earlier in the week, Monday, Tuesday, another new episode to preview the weekend around Friday, Saturday, that's streaming and again podcast anytime college basketball coast to coast on Apple podcast as well. I am merely the somewhat capable somewhat lucid host of the program. He is with me. He is a guru. He is an insider. Love Mr. Blogging the Bracket. He's been doing this for a lot of years. And I love my man, uh, Chris Doberting, who is in Chicago. I think uh, he has thawed out enough to be able to do the show today. How are you, my friend, despite snow dumping, freezing temperatures all over the Midwest? Are you surviving? It's good to have you and
1: talk some hoops. Great, great to hear you from, from Champa Bay, TJ. And uh, yeah, the, the, snow, the sun is out. We have, we still have some lake effect snow here. I'm doing better than my dog. My dog is at the point now where she's like, I just, I can't deal with this anymore. Can I'm the not dog jumping.
0: even get out of the snow drift, out of the Dabertine estate and be able to go take care of business as dogs and cats will want to go and do? Because it's literally like two or three feet that we're dealing with, aren't she- we?
1: She was able she took care of business first thing this morning and then immediately <laughs> wanted to come back in but now she's looking at me like are we going to go again and I'm I'm just like you were out there you know how it is uh, exactly wait. just wait a little bit dog you'll well, you Steve saw, Patriot.
0: and you're joking with me at the time, and again, the audience cannot see us, but at the time that we're taping this, the Buccaneers have won the Super Bowl on the heels of a Rays World Series appearance, on the heels of the Lightning winning the Stanley Cup. You saw the video. We had a boat parade last week yeah. for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 80-degree shirt-sleeve weather on boats, on the water, in and around downtown Tampa. I'm sorry to rub it in and make you feel bad because you guys are going to be shoveling and snow plowing like for the rest of February <laughs> in the Midwest. <laughs>
1: So not good. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is the worst. I mean, this is I've been here since 20 2016 was my first winter. So it's been, you know, five, and this is by far the worst that I've had to experience. This is more like this is more like what I was used to growing up, you know, in the Buffalo area, as opposed to, you know, what, <laughs> and that's saying, like people <laughs> that's saying something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, people who have been here far longer than I am are just amazed with the amount of snow that that Chicago has gotten over the past, you know, two weeks. And wow. there's still a little bit more coming, you know, between now and Sunday, apparently.
0: All right, so enough about the weather, the Doppler forecast, the radar, the snow accumulation, uh, the the uh, the drifts, the whole bit, uh, because the basketball has got us warmed up. And that's why we, we have you here. As I mentioned, we are inside of a month now to Selection Sunday. Um, I always love getting a chance to talk with you because you do a great job of breaking down the bracket, the seating. Let's begin right there because the NCA selection committee for 2021, headed by Mitch Barnhart, the Kentucky athletic director, they gave us a peek. They gave us a peek for the first time for this year of what their top 16 looks like. And again, it's all subject to change. You know this, Chris, with a month to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but at least they gave us something that we can look at, debate, and talk about. They did that over the weekend. So let's begin right there. What did you think? Any surprises? Pretty true to form with the top seeds, uh, the one through four. And again, it's not the full field of 68. It's only the top 16. What did you think about that little peek, that reveal?
1: I'm, I'm preface this by saying that I had been prefacing my post really for the past month by saying we really don't know how this new format, you know, how – a lot of teams not playing non-conference games, you know, reduced non-conference schedules, not having, you know, as many exempt events back in November and December is really going to kind of affect, you know, how the, the bracket is built. So I was kind of just going on what the committee had done in recent years, you know, a lot of emphasis on, yeah, the net is there, but really it's more who you've beaten more than anybody else. Um, And say, and, and we'll make adjustments based on what, you know, we come out with on Saturday. And lo and behold, you know, of the top 16 teams that they came out with the top 10 that I had on Friday in my Friday bracket matched exactly their top 10 in order and everything. And, you know, of the 16, the only miss that I had was they had Tennessee as a three seed. I had Tennessee as a five seed. I had Wisconsin as a three seed. They had Wisconsin kind of on that edge, you know, was that potentially that first team outside of the top 16. So again, they're they're really following what they've been doing over the past few years. And, you know, this season's kind of unique circumstances really didn't change that.
0: That is the voice of Chris Dobertine. Love his insight. Find him at Chris Daubertine on social media, bloggingthebracket.com does a fantastic job with that. So I, I would jokingly compliment you. Uh, either you really know what you're talking about with blogging the bracket, which we agree with, or they're, they're <laughs> copying your blogging the bracket, which could be happening, or both, or both for Chris Daubertine here uh, with the selection committee and what they came up with. Now, interestingly, Michigan played after that, and Michigan had been on COVID-19 pause for almost a month, and they uh-huh. won very impressively – Over Wisconsin after this came out and now on Monday night at the time that we're taping and releasing this for Tuesday and for the midweek Florida State has come off of pause and won two games with Wake Forest and then a tremendous performance in beating Virginia wire to wire at home in Tallahassee. So now, I mean, it's, it's an evolving thing. Uh, put that into the stew pot here with what Michigan did on the weekend and what Florida State did. Doesn't that help their credibility even more off of COVID nineteen pause and their seeding at the top of any seed line in the uh, in the in the ultimate bracket here? What about it?
1: Yeah, I mean, you think about Michigan and you know Wisconsin, as I said, was kind of right. You know, they were that seventeenth team. They were seventeenth or eighteenth, and was and Michigan went into Madison. Wisconsin really kind of pushed them around in the first half, but you were kind of thinking, well, yeah, this is going to be the end of Michigan. You know, that that whole, you know, that three weeks basically they had off because of the COVID pause was going to, you know, really kind of knock them down a peg, especially with Ohio State, you know, being right there, right behind them in Illinois as well. I mean, teams three, four, and five, Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, from the same conference, they're going to be jockeying for position between now in the Big Ten tournament when it wraps up as scheduled on Selection Sunday. But, you know, we'll see how that actually happens. But in the second half, Michigan really took over. You know, they really kind of submitted themselves as really, to me, they're the third best team in the country behind, you know, Gonzaga and Baylor who are clear number one and number two. And then at that point, you have those three Big Ten teams kind of jockeying for that third spot. And by the way that Michigan was able to perform on the road, you know, after that layoff was very impressive and they really kind of established themselves as the 13. You talk about Virginia and Florida State, on the other hand, and Virginia was in the position where had they won that game, they would have jumped up to the two line to replace Villanova, who got, you know, routed by Creighton and Omaha on Saturday afternoon. But of course, Florida State ends up taking care of business, you know, as you said, very impressively winning by 21. So Florida State has jumped in Virginia is still on the number three line, but now they're behind, you know, a pair of big 12 teams in Oklahoma and West Virginia and Oklahoma. You know, they're now 11th overall. Florida State has jumped up, you know, a very impressive team up onto the 16th spot. You know, they've kind of replaced Wisconsin and replaced Missouri, who, you know, lost a game to Arkansas in overtime on Saturday. So Florida State has really kind of gone in there and, and made a little bit of change as well.
0: Okay, and again, uh, the Seminoles were the ACC regular season champions uh, last year, and they looked the part, and they have been so dominant uh, at home, especially. What What are they like? They're now like forty five and three, or something like that, in their last forty eight ACC home games. Maybe it's eighty five and three. Maybe it's hundred eighty five yeah. <laughs> and three. It seems like they've been winning every one of them, Chris.
1: I think the last time that they lost a game in Tallahassee against an ACC opponent was. You know, I saw them play Syracuse in 2013, uh, in 2014, and they end up lo- and they end up losing that game 74 to 58, and they end up in the NIT that year, going all the way to the NIT semifinals. Um, I-, I think that feels like that was the last time that happened, though. I- th- as you said. There have been a couple in between there. I thought were going to tell really, me the uh, last
0: time they lost his, It was Pat Kennedy was the coach back uh, at Florida State. <laughs> but it's, it has been it, since yeah, then. Free DePaul,
1: yes, yeah, pre-DePaul, pre-Towson. Yes,
0: for Florida State. Uh, you mentioned uh, I, I'm interested here because, again, here we go again, and we've talked about this for the first few episodes of College Basketball Coast to Coast now that we cranked it back up that you have some of these conferences. This is going to be the case with Michigan. They're, they're going to play fewer games than a lot of the other teams at the top of the Big Ten. When that Creighton-Villanova game happened, I believe Creighton had played like 14 Big East games, and Villanova had played like seven or eight. So you're going to have a wide disparity to judge off of in some of these conferences, ACC, Big East, Big Ten, and even with Baylor, let's say, in the Big 12, you're, you're not going to have an equal schedule with equal number of games. Chris, speak to that real quick.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the Big East East standings right now. We have Villanova, who've played 10 games because they've had a couple of pauses in league play. Creighton has played 16. (laughs) (laughs) They've played 16. And then I look at the fourth-ranked team in Ken Palm, according to the the Big East, according to Ken Palm and Xavier. Xavier's played seven. Right. And, you know, here in Chicago, DePaul has been, you know, well-known for, you know, going on pause and off pause quite a bit. Xavier's played seven games, but DePaul has played ten, and, and they're really kind of the team that's kind of known for having pauses more than anybody else nationally. So that that's really surprising to me. I, I didn't realize that Xavier had played that few conference games, but as you've said, it, it's going to be very hard to judge. You know, it, we kind of think back to you know kind of how things were in football and how Ohio State ended up getting in, you know, into the playoff when you know the Big Ten ended up kind of you know moving heaven and earth to kind of get them first into the big 10 championship game. And then, you know, the committee kind of like followed suit to kind of get them into the playoff. It's a little bit different here, just because you have, you know, 68 teams and you have an extra at large because the, because the Ivy isn't playing at all this year. So there's a little bit more to, to kind of deal with there. And really, I think the crucial thing people need to remember is that the, the minimum number of games a team needs to play to reach to reach the tournament this year is 13, and pretty much everybody is, is gonna safely get there. But yeah, the committee is gonna have its hands full and trying to, you know, sort out these teams when they have when there are gaps as big as you know six game differences between the top two teams in a conference in terms of how good they really are
0: and and for example right now as we speak Virginia 11 and 2 off the loss in the ACC to Florida State on Monday night Florida State 8 and 2 so they had played a little more than even I thought they did but look at a yeah. team like North Carolina to the point where North Carolina lost their game with Virginia Tech because of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Don't know if it's going to be rescheduled. They don't have a game midweek, so they actually went and found one. As Mark Wise was saying to us late last week, he calls them pop-up games. These pop-up games yeah. have been mm-hmm. happening. They're going to play Northeastern at home because Roy Williams was saying on Monday, the coach at Carolina, we've only played three ACC home games. There are several other schools near the top that have played six or seven we 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 can't afford to continue to not play home games here and have that uh and have that disadvantage. So they're going to play Northeastern midweek. So North Carolina right now 12 ACC games, but they're going to they're going to probably be about two or three behind as we go along and North Carolina needs every one of them right now. They are 57 in the NCA's net ranking. They need every credibility game they can get. Do they not down the stretch of the season? Yeah. That's just interesting. They're going to play Northeastern midweek at the time we're taping, Chris.
1: Yeah, it's you see this a lot in terms of how some of the big major conferences are, are structuring their seating for you know conference tournaments. You know whether those conference tournaments end up happening or not. Because I think that's just the whole other, you know layer of, of complexity to, to kind of add into the health picture when you want to have your guys quarantined and healthy and available for, you know, actual March Madness when it happens. So a lot of those conferences that are in that second week of the championship fortnight are really going to have, I think, some decisions to make in the next coming weeks. But some of the earlier conferences in the picture, like the Metro Atlantic, for example, you know, they're basing it on not on conference record, win-loss, but on the number of conference wins you have. Like right now, Monmouth Monmouth would be the number one seed in the Metro Atlantic Tournament, you know, because they have more conference wins than anybody when, say, you know, at one point last week it was Iona had the best winning percentage, but they'd only played, I think, four conference games at the time. So, you know, there was a massive difference where Monmouth had, I think, 10 conference wins and Iona was three and one. So they decided they were just going to go with raw wins for the way to, you know, kind of see things out, but when you're talking about large bids, that doesn't quite work out. You know, when you're talking about a single uh, a single bid conferences, you know, tournament format.
0: No doubt about that. All right, we got plenty more to get to here with Chris Daubertine before we're done on this episode of College Basketball Coast to Coast. A reminder again, however you found us, social media link, et cetera. If you're hearing us streaming on TuneIn, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts as well. Find Chris's work through the SB Nation family of sites, bloggingthebracket.com. That's how you find what he does, constantly updating during the week, especially this time of the year. Uh, and again, follow him on social media, at Chris Dobbertine, T-E-A-N. Um, love his insight. And on social media, he's constantly giving you his thoughts on the bracket, the seating, etc. cetera. I am going to play some in or out with you uh, coming up in a couple of moments. We can't do that enough down the stretch of the season. So stand no. by for that. I want to talk again uh, in the Midwest. They did get these two games in in the Missouri Valley with the top two teams, Loyola Chicago, the darling from the final four a few years ago, and Drake, the Drake Bulldogs, they played twice in 24 hours over the weekend, both in Des Moines. Um, a, a, an easy blowout win for Loyola Chicago in the first game, then a nip and tuck, low-scoring rock fight, if you will, that went to overtime that Drake won on Sunday. What were your overall thoughts, though, of those two games between uh, two teams in the mid-majors that are maybe both in CA tournament Uh, at large uh, consideration what were your thoughts though on those two matchups very unique very interesting in these weird times they played each other twice in 24 hours at the same site
1: yeah and that's kind of how it's been in the valley this year and I think that you know Loyola Chicago I think is in a better position than than Drake is after just simply because of that blowout Loyola Chicago I mean you know they held the Bulldogs you know again 51 points even in that loss you look at Ken Palm right now, the number one team in adjusted defense right now, Loyola Chicago Ramblers.
0: How about that? So
1: this is a team. Yes, their metrics are through the roof. They're they're tenth in the net right now. You know they're ninth overall in Ken Palm. The advanced metrics love them. They the one thing kind of that hurts them a little bit is they weren't able to get you know the, the kind of that marquee win again. One of those teams that that kind of is a victim of. You know, they were supposed to be in the Myrtle Beach Invitational with with Dayton and with Pittsburgh um, back in in November, and that got canceled naturally because of COVID. And it was, you know, so they got some games together. They played Richmond, lost to Richmond by a bucket in the Indianapolis Convention Center, which is going to be a tournament practice site coming up for March Madness, which was just a very strange game because it was a basketball court and basically a conference room with no stands. Nothing. It was just right. the most bizarre thing that I've ever seen. They went to Wisconsin, lost to Wisconsin by 14. So their best non conference win is against North Texas, who's, you know, co leading Conference USA with Western Kentucky right now. So you know, really kind of their metrics kind of holding them up compared to Drake.
0: Loyola win. If I can interject is on Drake's home floor on Saturday and expound on this, that carries much more weight than it. If it had been at a conference tournament, for example, at a neutral floor, like the Myrtle beach tournament, you're talking about on a neutral floor, right?
1: Well, it's a little bit different just because Loyola is so high in the net that it doesn't matter. It's still a quad one win. It's a quad one win. You know, no matter, you know, Loyola would have to drop 50 points. 40 spots in the net for that to be to not be a quad one win anymore. You know, if it happens at Arch Madness, I mean, you know, I think that that's a good thing for Drake. The thing that hurt them is they ended up playing in a hastily arranged non conference event that was played at Kansas State, and Kansas State hasn't been any good. You know, they're they're you know 226th in the right. net right now, and you know, South Dakota State, who's leaving the summit, was supposed to be in that. They ended up withdrawing to go play in the rearranged battle for Atlanta's makeup event in Sioux Falls, in their own backyard. Um, so yeah, so Drake didn't really, and they didn't get, and Colorado was in that event as well. And Colorado, they, they skipped Colorado. They ended up playing, you know, South Dakota instead um, who was brought in to replace the Jackrabbits. And they ended up skipping Colorado, which would have been a really good test for them and a potential, again, a quad one neutral site type win for them. So the metrics for Drake have really taken a hit because, especially because that loss to Loyola, because it was such a blowout, because it was by 27 points. And they also have a loss at Valpo, who's 238 in the net. So that sunk Drake, who was kind of up there, you know, in the top 15 of the net of the top 20 of the net early on. Now they're down to 35. When you're down at 35 and you're a mid major, you're really pushing it in terms of at-large, you know, in in terms of at-large consideration, and you look at kind of their wins, their average net win is 203. Loyola, on the other hand, is 182, so they're, you know, full 20 spots up. And their average net loss is 124 because they took that really bad loss to Valpo. So at the moment, I had Drake as the very first team out of my bracket for today.
0: Interesting. All right. So that's going to be a good segue in a moment. And again, the scenario for Drake was two weekends ago, they played two games at Valpo, won the first, but then lost the second. If I have that chronologically correct, but yeah, they the needed
1: and they needed to really rally against that. They had been playing with fire going into that series. Anyway, they had to rally late. Valpo had them pretty well beat, you know, 35 minutes into the game and they, Ended up storming back, and then Valp went up getting him the next night. You know, again by seventeen points. When 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 Drake has been losing, they have been getting shellacked.
0: Wow! All right, so and that yeah. segues us perfectly, Chris Dobber team. Let's do it officially right here. Who's
1: in, in. or out, out for the big dance, dance. in March?
0: Yes, who is in, who is out. We're going to do this over and over again over the next four weeks before Selection Sunday. So let's dive right in. You believe right now that Drake team is out. If the field was set at 68 as of today, as of this week, you would have them out real quick, right? Why?
1: Yes, just outside because they have two losses and the two losses are earlier. what are dragging their metrics down because they've been blown out in both those games.
0: All right, in the Big East, UConn, interesting. UConn playing Tuesday night at the time that we're taping with Providence. We don't know that result. We do know that UConn won on the weekend um, in a win at Xavier. UConn in or out, Mr. BloggingTheBracket.com?
1: I have them just in, and that's because we don't know what's, you know, we don't know what's going on with, with James Boonight right now, if he's going to come back from that, you know, elbow injury but the fact they were able to win at Xavier they have an earlier win against USC on a neutral floor the committee likes wins like that those kind of marquee name brand victories and you know with with Knight's health still kind of being up in in the air if they're if the committee gets information that he's going to be back in time for the tournament I think that they're probably going to end up in just based on that
0: uconn at villanova all things again being equal COVID 19 pauses uh, you know uh restarts etc that saturday early game one eastern time at the pavilion in philadelphia that could be a big one as well for uconn's resume let's go over another one because we do this coast to coast no east coast bias again chris in the midwest i'm in florida let's go out west stanford cardinal they're a team uh, on the cusp, are they in or out right now, mid-February?
1: What say you? I have Stanford, again, another one of those teams that's just inside. And, and again, they have a very good marquee win over Alabama, who's, you know, a two-seed right now, on a neutral floor. And, hey, by 18 points. And, again, you know, we don't want to make too much of victory margin. But, right. you know, when you can pull off something like that, yeah, it's it's – it's going to help. And one thing that kind of helps Stanford compared to teams that are behind them is they don't have any losses to teams in quadrant three or quadrant four. So, you know, uh, a sw- you know two wins over Arizona, a win over UCLA, um, and, and that victory over Alabama, I think really give them a lot, a, a lot of push uh, right now.
0: That's uh, the voice of Chris Dobbertine. Bloggingthebracket.com is how you find all of his info. And again, Stanford to play the two Washington teams coming Thursday at Seattle, at Washington, then to play Washington State on Saturday if all things are equal in the Pac-12. Keep an eye on that. Hey, I've not had a chance. We wind it down here. Final couple of minutes of college basketball coast to coast. Duke Blue Devils. I wanted to ask you before now, but I just got back around to it uh Jalen Jackson the outstanding player for them one of the top prospects for the NBA draft coming later this year was well known he was going to be a one and done he's now decided he's not going to play the remaining three weeks of the season Duke teetering on the brink of maybe not being in the NCAA tournament as it is I'm saying this want your opinion this damages them greatly on, on terms of, of hopes of getting in the tournament, what do you make of this decision that he made on Monday? I am abandoning the last three weeks of the year, and Duke's to, uh, tournament hopes at large may abandon with him,
1: Chris. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, it's it's a very unique, we've said it a million times, it is a very unique season. We know that this this is these are not normal times. The thoughts these guys are having, especially when you kind of think about a player who's going to definitely be, you know, a top 10 draft pick, who's kind of got to prepare for that, got to prepare for the future. And you look at kind of what Duke has done, how they've struggled, particularly at home, losing to North Carolina Notre Dame recently, you know, you look at kind of the schedule they have coming up. They have Virginia, Syracuse and Louisville coming up as a three game homestand, you know, three games in seven days, the odds for them were going to be very, very long anyway, just because they haven't been able to really take care of things, especially on the defensive end. So, you know, when you kind of have that, you know, you want to take care of yourself, you want to, you know, you get paid and not really kind of, you know, play too much this year, you know, in a year when, you know, you're probably not going to make the tournament or, you know, it's going to be the worst Duke team and, you know, probably a generation I can kind of understand why, you know, he decided to not play anymore. But, I, yeah, I think Duke is in real trouble in terms uh, of the rest of the way. And I, I don't think they're going to be able to get into the tournament unless they win the ACC title. And, obviously, I don't think that's going to happen without him on the, on the yeah, roster. that's
0: the big part right there, what you just said. Uh, what kind of chance do they have of beating really anybody significant without him, much less two or three of them over 48 or 72 hours? Duke playing Wake Forest at Wake Forest – as uh, Chris mentioned, then the murderers row coming after that with Virginia and Syracuse and Louisville uh, for coach K and his team remaining couple of moments plug away again for bloggingthebracket.com from the SB nation family of sites, what you're doing all the time with the Chris Dobber team plug away.
1: Yeah. So brackets on Tuesday uh, we, ha- I had been doing a bracket on Friday as well this Friday, going to switch over to, you know, who's got a bid locked up, who's on the bubble. You know who's closest to the cut line, who's got some work to do, you know, and then you know closing each of those posts out with a TV preview for the next coming days, and as we get closer to, you know, selection Sunday, which unbelievably, yeah, three weeks from Sunday is going to be selection Sunday, which is just unbelievable in my mind that it's already that close. Um, again, as lots going to have to, de- a lot's going to be determined based on how the schedule for. You know, championship week goes, who plays conference tournaments, when they play conference tournaments is going to kind of determine, you know, the number of brackets I do from there, there on out, usually it'd be, you know, every day over the last week, my situation might not call for it this year, we don't right. know. So we're, it's we're kind of, you know, we're, we are, we are playing things by ear. In terms of we're day, we're day to yeah, day, definitely. baby. We're day, to day, day on to day figuring
0: all this stuff out, uh, and it'll be interesting midweek. I got about a minute left here. Uh, midweek, Florida at Arkansas Tuesday night. Interesting game yep. for the Gators uh, on the road. Uh, I was looking. There's a couple of other interesting games. Is there something else that strikes you midweek where a team needs to show something like Florida might have to at Arkansas? Real quick,
1: uh, Minnesota. Minnesota plays at Indiana. Uh, Minnesota has some really great wins. They have three top 10 wins in the Big Ten, but they're 0-7 in true road games. So they're going to absolutely positively have to win that game, you know, on, you know, coming up, you know, their midweek game against Indiana on Wednesday night at 9 on BTN, Hmm. or the big network as it is now. We'll see. And also Utah State, Boise State. Boise State's another one of those teams that's kind of slipped out. Um, And and the Mountain West has really kind of just eaten its own. Those are the two top teams in the standings right now. They're going to play Wednesday night and Friday night um, on CBSSN.
0: All right, so we'll keep an eye on all of those games. Keep an eye on bloggingthebracket.com. I'm getting as many plugs in as I can for you, brother. At Chris Dobbertine on Twitter. Great stuff here. I appreciate you hopping on on college basketball coast-to-coast with me, young man.
1: Uh, Thank you again for having me, TJ.
0: Always love having you. We'll have him back on as we get closer with the bracket. For now, we are done. Again, we're streaming on TuneIn with College Basketball Coast to Coast. Every day, all day, find us through the channel Tag Sports Group. Also, subscribe to the podcast whenever a new one is out, either Tuesdays usually or Friday previewing the weekend. Subscribe on Apple Podcast to find us. For now, for Chris, I'm TJ Reeves. Thanks for being with us on this edition of College Basketball Coast to Coast. Enjoy the games midweek. Bye.